Okay, we're on our Fixer Upper series. We've been talking about this for a few weeks, and so it's a great privilege to continue talking about the, uh, what God is showing us about rebuilding areas of our lives. So get your sermon notes out, and uh, also on your iPhone or on your Droid device, if you have the Bible app on your phone, you can also go to the events section down on the more and the menu there at the bottom and uh, go to events and you can get the sermon notes on your phone as well. You can save those. Those will be available uh, through, I think, tonight sometime. You can download those and, and uh, save them onto your phone so you can have them with you if you don't like paper. But get those out. Get your Bibles out. And let's open up to Nehemiah chapter 3. Yeah! yeah. Nehemiah 3. Nehemiah 3. Fixer upper. We've been talking about rebuilding things and Rebuilding things that are broken down, and we're right in the midst of summer. Getting, we're just getting into summer, I guess I should say. It's starting to warm up here where we live. And how many knows? Whenever we realize if we work outside in the heat very long, that it won't take long. We're going to get dry, tired, and thirsty. If you work outside very long in the heat, but it's not going to be long. You're going to get tired. You're going to get dry. You're going to get thirsty. And it happens because our internal resources start to get depleted. It's like our fluids that are going out of us are greater than the fluids that are coming into us. We can get what we call dehydrated. And dehydrated is a, is a tough condition, you know, for your body physically. And I remember one time I was working for this asphalt maintenance company and it's in the, right in the middle of summer, you know, it's hot, it's upwards of 98 degrees, somewhere in there, humidity is high, it's just awful. So you take those conditions, and then you're working with asphalt. I don't know if you've worked with asphalt, but it of itself is hot, and then you got fumes coming off of it, and then sun on black asphalt. Did I mention it was hot? It was hot. And so I'm working out there, and we're having to shovel. It's hard manual labor. I'm sweating. I mean, every fabric of my clothes is soaked. And so I'm trying to drink. You know, I'm trying to stay uh, hydrated. And, you know, but while you're working, it's hard to keep up with it. And, you know, I, I sweat a lot, you know, not as much as some people, but I sweat a lot. And so I, I'm totally drenched. But at some point, I noticed that all of a sudden, I started feeling tingly. You know, my shirt's wet, and I started feeling almost cold, and then I realized I wasn't sweating anymore. How many knows that's not a good sign? <laughs> when you start feeling a chill and you're not sweating, it's a good sign that you're dehydrated. And of course I was, and so my, my fluids going out had exceeded the fluids I were taking in. How many knows that that can also happen to us spiritually? Yeah. Anybody ever felt spiritually dehydrated? You know, sometimes if we're not careful, we can give out and give out and give out. And if we don't watch ourselves, if we're not taking in as much, if not more than we're, take, than we're giving out, we can get spiritually dehydrated. Anybody have been at the place in your life where you're like, I don't want to help anyone with any problems. <laughs> you know, that's a sign that you're not sweating anymore. It's a sign that you're spiritually dehydrated. You're like, if one more person calls me with a problem... Maybe I'm talking about myself. I don't know. <laughs> was that, maybe that was a little too vulnerable. But no, what happens, whether, whether it's your kids, whether it's your spouse, whether it's coworkers or whatever, we can get spiritually dehydrated. And God wants us to stay hydrated because there's times when I don't feel fresh and flourishing. There's times when I, when I don't feel, I feel tired. 
I feel dry. I feel exhausted. There's times when I feel like everybody else is hearing from God. They're getting massive spiritual breakthrough and they have total clarity for the rest of their life but me. Has anybody ever felt like that? You're like, everybody else is getting breakthrough. How come I'm not? How come my prayers feel like they're bouncing off the ceiling and and stuck right here with me? It can happen. It happens to all of us. It's a condition that we can all face. But the good news is that God knew that we were all going to have to deal with that at one time or another in our life. So he gave us a solution. That's what we're going to talk about today. So in Nehemiah chapter 3, I want to deal with this issue today of people and ourselves, our lives, when we can get spiritually dehydrated. What did God do to give us a solution? What do we do when we get tired? What do we do when we're exhausted? What do we do when we feel like I just can't give anymore? God gives us a solution. So in Nehemiah chapter 3, we've been talking about all these gates, right? We've been talking about rebuilding this wall. If you'll bring up the picture there, you'll see uh, this is the wall that Nehemiah was rebuilding in Jerusalem. And and he's rebuilding the wall and all of the gates. And we talked about, we noticed this map here, this, this outline of the wall looked mysteriously like a foot. And so I began to realize that God was saying each one of these gates can represent our walk with Christ. That even thousands of years ago, the design of a wall would speak to me in 2017 and tell me I need every single one of these gates in my walk with Christ. I I don't know if that was God's purpose when he designed it. I don't know if it was a better fit for the terrain. I'm just taking it that God designed it for Chad Everett in 2017. Maybe that's a little selfish, but I just believe God is always thinking about us. I believe he's always got a bigger plan. So we talked about all these gates. We started up the top in Nehemiah chapter 3. The first gate we talked about was the sheep gate. Sheep gate is where Jesus is the Lamb of God. We all have to go through the sheep gate first. There is no other way to the Father except through Jesus. You can be a good man. You can be a good woman. You can be nice and moral. You can be kind. You can be friendly to everybody. But if you don't go through the sheep gate, you will never get into heaven. I don't make the rules, God made the rules. He said that you are not good enough on your own, but if you allow Jesus to be your substitute, to be your lamb, you can enter into the presence of God. We have to go through the sheep gate. I'm going to re-preach that sermon, but that was an awful good point. So now the, the next, gate, next gate was the fish gate. I love the fish gate. The fish gate is where Jesus said, that if you will be, I will make you fishers of men. It says they immediately dropped their nets and began to follow him. The fish gate is about being willing to not only... Uh, be, go through the sheep gate and be born again, but now you begin to serve others. To not just be a consumer, but to be a contributor. This is what leads to the success of the kingdom of God when people stop being served and they start serving. That's the fish gate. You got to look to other people. It can't be about me anymore. It's got to be how can I help others? How can I serve others? How can I serve on the dream team? How can I serve in the in VBS? How can I do whatever I can do, God? I'm here to serve you. I'm dropping my net. That's fish gate. Then we went to the old gate. The old gate is about where we had to walk away from our old life. How many knows there's going to be some point in our walk with Jesus we got to say no to the old us? We got to walk away from it. That's what water baptism is about. Burying the old man and coming up into the new man. There's times where temptation is going to call you to go back to your old comfortable self. And you got to say no, and that's building the old gate in your life. Then we went a long way down to the valley gate. The valley gate is about humility. We need humility in our walk with Jesus. 
We need to be humble. And it's also about enduring difficulties and overcoming adversity and, and growing in that relationship with God. So the valley gate, we go through valley seasons in our life, but I want you to know you can grow in the valley. Stay faithful in the valley. Then we got down to our favorite one there, the dung gate or the refuse gate, the trash gates. Well, this is about the trash in our life. At this gate, we talk about how God is wanting us to get rid of the trash in our life, getting rid of things that we thought were important to us, but compared to God, they're not important. Get rid of those. And then next, we come to the one we're going to talk about today, the fountain gate. So in verse 15 of chapter 3, this is the gate that we're going to rebuild today. And I want to draw attention to that. In verse 15, it says, Shalun, the son of Kol, Hosea, leader of the district of Mizpah, repaired the fountain gate. Repaired the fountain gate. He built it, covered it, hung its doors with its bolts and bars, and repaired the wall of the pool of Shelah, or also Salome, or Saloha, but the king, by the king's garden as far as the stairs that go down from the city of David. So now this is the fountain gate. What's significant about the fountain gate? Every gate had a significance. Every one of those gates is significant in your life. Right now, this gate is about rivers. The fountain gate is about rivers. It's about living water. The water around the pool of Siloam where the fountain gate was, in the Hebrew, that pool was called living water. It's amazing. So what is the significance of the fountain gate? Why do we need the fountain gate in our life? What, what is it going to do? I want you to turn over, if you would, to John chapter 4. I want to use a story to illustrate the value of the fountain gate in your life. I want you to see what God sees in this story because it's something that he wants to do in you. It's not something for just pages on a book. It's not just something for thousands of years ago, but I believe God wants to do something in our hearts today, and I pray that this story will illustrate how you and I need the fountain gate. We need the sheep gate. We need the fish gate. We need the old gate. We need the valley gate. We need all those, but we need the fountain gate. And I hope this story will illustrate. This is John 4. I'll start reading in verse 3. And it says, and he left, this is talking about Jesus. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. He needed to go through Samaria. He needed to go. This word needed is a word that means literally to bind up, to tie up. So it also means to submit to authority of something. So when Jesus said he needed to go through Samaria... He wasn't saying that he wanted to go through Samaria. He was saying that he submitted to the idea of going through Samaria. And when we submit our hearts to Jesus and we truly make him Lord and not just a golden ticket to heaven. Did you catch that? Some, some people, sometimes we embrace the idea of Jesus being our ticket to heaven, but we don't embrace the idea of him being the Lord over our life. Hmm. Selah, think about that for a little bit. But so, so now it says he needed to go, and so he, he was submitted to him. But whenever we give our hearts to Jesus, we've got to realize that there are some things that we need to go through that we don't always want to go through. There are some things that we need to go through, but we don't always want to go through. We don't always want to do everything that we need to do when we submit our hearts to that. So he, he says he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of the ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. So he's going through Samaria. And it says in verse 6 here that he was wearied from his journey. 
Now remember, we're talking about Jesus, the Son of God, right? 100% God, 100% man in this moment. Jesus, divine nature, Son of God, is wearied from his journey. Can I submit to you, if Jesus, the Son of God, gets tired on his journey, how much more are we going to get tired on our journey as we serve God? And it was, it said, notice it says it's tired on his journey. His journey. Was this something where Jesus was just doing his own thing? No, it said he needed to go through Samaria. So he was doing what God asked him to do, and he still got tired. Even doing what God has asked you to do, you can get tired. We're going to experience this in our life. I want to relate to somebody who's still doing what God wants them to do, and you feel, still feel weary once in a while. You get tired. If Jesus felt that way, I've got some encouragement that it's okay that I'm going to experience it once in a while in my life. He was wearied from his journey, so he, he sits by this well, and a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a what? Give me a drink. He didn't say, give me something to eat. He said, give me a drink. So when Jesus was tired, I'm, I'm laying the groundwork for something I'm going to pull on later, but you need to hear this point. When Jesus was tired and weary, he asked for a drink. Specifically, he asked for a drink. You're like, duh. No, no, no. You're going to need to know that because when Jesus asked for a drink, he didn't ask for a Big Mac. He didn't ask for pita bread. He didn't ask for, hey, you got anything to eat? He asked for a drink. He asked for a drink. Now, the, now notice what she says here in verse, well, the disciples had went away to buy some food because he was hungry. In verse nine, then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Okay, Jews and Samarians, Samaritans, they did not get along. They had a racial issue. They didn't like each other because some interracial marriages, the Samaritans were Jews that had intermarried amongst people in the land, so the Jews didn't see them as pure Jews, so there's some racial tension. So the Jews would literally, Samaria was right north of Judea, most of them would walk around Samaria to get to Galilee. They would go all the way around the whole area. But Jesus needed to go through there for this one woman. So he comes there and she says, how is it you ask me for a drink? Look what he says, verse 10. And Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, when I read this, here's some things that jumped out of me. Notice what Jesus said. If you knew the gift of God, comma, and, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink. Now, who is it that says to you, give me a drink? Jesus. Jesus is the one who said, hey, can I have a drink, please? But he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you. So here's what God is trying to tell us. We need to know two things. He said, if you knew the gift of God and Jesus, we know Jesus. We know Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior. We need to know Jesus. But we not only need to know Jesus, we need to know the gift of God. You're like, so is there a difference? Why did he say and if there's not a difference? You need to know the gift of God and Jesus. What is the gift of God then? I'm glad you asked. I gave you three scriptures in your sermon notes that's going to speak to what the gift of God is that I'm going to submit to you as our fountain gate. The first one's in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. This is where uh, Peter is talking to the people there that he's preaching to. And he says, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Notice he equates the gift with the Holy Spirit. Give me another one, Acts chapter 8. And this is where Simon Peter, Simon, not Simon Peter, Simon the sorcerer, was asking about the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, he says, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Notice who he's talking about, the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, your money perished with you because you thought the gift of God could be purchased with money. What gift of God was he trying to purchase with money? The Holy Spirit. If you knew the gift of God, the gift of God being the Holy Spirit, look at Acts chapter 10. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Now notice what we're saying. He says to the lady, he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink. So I'm submitting to you the fountain gate. And our walk with Jesus, you need to know Jesus. You need to know him as Savior. You need to know him as Lord. But you also need to know the Holy Spirit. Many times in our life, we embrace the notion of Jesus and we, we love Jesus. And I know for myself, there was a marker in my life when I first started hearing about the Holy Spirit, hearing about who he was, that he actually was a person of the Godhead and he was somebody to receive. I didn't know any of that. But the moment that I began to pursue him and I received the Holy Spirit, something changed in my life from that day and it's never been the same. Doesn't mean I was perfect. Doesn't mean I've never had a bad day since. It doesn't mean I became super Christian, better than anyone else. It just means I became a better me. The Holy Spirit doesn't make you better than someone else. The Holy Spirit makes you better than you. So the Holy Spirit is valuable. And this is what we're talking about with the founding gate. He said, I need you to know too. I need you to know the gift of God. And I need you to know Jesus. So go on. The woman says, sir... Uh, I think you're crazy first. I'm not sure she said that, but I'm just adding that. Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Look what Jesus said. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water, everybody say this water. Will thirst again. Everybody who drinks of this water. He's pointing to the well. I just imagine role play here. Jesus, and he's talking to the woman. He points to the well. And he says, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. In other words, he's trying to encourage her and draw attention to her that external refreshment will only last so long. If you look for external things to meet your needs, you're going to have to continue to try and keep them in because you're going to get thirsty. You take a drink today, you can't say, you know what, that drink is good for the rest of the week. About tonight, you're gonna get thirsty again. Maybe in a couple hours. You're gonna get thirsty again. He said, whoever drinks of this will thirst again. Here's the point, here's the application for you and I. When we try to have external things meet an internal need, we're gonna get thirsty again. Whenever we look to external things to satisfy an internal need, we're always going to stay thirsty. We can try, well, if I just made more money, that would quench my thirst. It's not. You're going to have to drink again. If I just had a better relationship, it would quench my thirst. No, it's not going to fix it. If I just had a, a better marriage, maybe if I had a new marriage, or maybe if I had, had a, a, I don't know, maybe if we have kids. If we have kids, that'll fix it. Whatever it is, you can try and plug and play anything. External things will not satisfy an internal desire. 
He's trying to teach us that. And you fill this in there in your notes that Jesus was presenting something to her that Jesus offers an internal solution that is not dependent on external resources. Internal solution. Exterior sources will cause continued thirst, but there's a fountain, there's something on the inside that Jesus wants to do. Look at verse 14. Whoever drinks, so drink of this water, you're going to thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him, keywords, in him, a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Here's something that's taking place. This is what I think will revolutionize revolutionize your walk with Jesus. This is why I believe the fountain gate is so important. This is why I believe the Holy Spirit is so important. You need the Holy Spirit, in your, Holy Spirit in your life because the Holy Spirit is taking God from being outside of you and putting him on the inside of you. John chapter 14 says the spirit of truth is coming and he'll not only be with you, but he'll be in you. We need the Holy Spirit in our life. There's a value. Jesus said it this way. He said, hey, everybody, it's to your advantage that I go away because if I go away, the Holy Spirit is going to come And he's going to be the one that dwells on the inside of you. So now when he says, whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst, but the water will become in him. Everybody say, in him. In him. So now God wants to do something on the inside of us that's going to overpower things that are happening to us. God wants to give us an internal resource, an internal source available to us that will help us no matter what we face externally in our life. God did not go away and leave you empty-handed. He wants to put the Holy Spirit on the inside of you that no matter what you face, you have a resource to draw from. It will be in him, what? It will be in him a fountain. Notice what it says, in him a fountain of water, a fountain of water. That word fountain means like a pool, a well. It's something that you draw out of. How many has ever felt like, I'm just trying to say how I want to phrase it. You know at times in our life where we feel like we just need God to touch us? Be careful how I say this because I want God to touch me. I want the presence of God. I want God to but there's something in our life that we need to grow into where we realize who is in us. That there's somebody on the inside of you that you don't even have to feel him. It's not an emotional thing. It's not a physical thing. You just believe that the God of the impossible is, impossible is living on the inside of me. Acts says it this way. If the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells on the inside of us, then now I'm not so dependent asking God to do something from the exterior. I'm asking him to do something from the interior. I'm not discouraged because I can't get to church and we can't strike up the worship music. I'm at home all by myself. I'm dark. I'm discouraged. I'm depressed. I'm feeling heavy. I'm feeling dry. But I've got a well on the inside of me that I can tap into and give me refreshment when I need it. This is the value of the fountain gate, that I'm not dependent on something on the outside. I've got something on the inside. You say, Chad, are you saying you don't need God? I absolutely need God. It's God who's on the inside of me. He's the one. He's the one who's there. He said there will be inside of them a fountain of water springing up. Springing up. That word springing up means to jump, to leap. 
Do you remember? Here's an application. You remember when Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist? And you remember when Mary came to the house and, the, and the, it says that the baby leaped on the inside of her? It's the same word. God wants to give you a fountain on the inside of you that springs up. When does it spring up? Whenever it's needed. You know when you need peace? You know when peace springs up in your life from God? When you need peace. You know, when, when, when Jared was talking about the peace of God that came, it's because he needed that to spring up. It came from the inside out. You know, we get the idea, well, did it come down or did it come up? If it comes down in me and then comes up, I don't care. I just know it came to me. Whether it comes down, whether it hits the floor, hits my spirit, comes up. I don't know where it came from. I just know it came from God. And that's the part that we're talking about. We're talking about receiving on the inside that encouragement. So it springs up. Notice what it says, springing up into everlasting life. Oh, this is good. Everlasting life. I read that. I'm like, spring up in everlasting. I didn't even write that down. It's not even in your notes because I wasn't even going to talk about it. Because it really, everlasting life. We know what that means. For God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him should not perish, have everlasting life. Everlasting life. We know what that means. He said, no, 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 you know, no, you're missing it. You're missing something again. I'm like, Lord, what am I missing? I know what everlasting is. That's eternity. That's eternity. Everlasting life, eternity. He said, no, no, no. Read the words. So I went back and I looked up the word everlasting. And it means unlimited in time, but it means unlimited in availability. Never ending. Never ending. Never ending. Never ending. (laughs) So he said, life. He said, Chad, I'm going to put in a well on the inside of you that will spring up to never ending life. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I have come that you might have life and life more in heaven, not limited to heaven. I'm excited about everlasting life in heaven. I'm pumped about that. That's awesome. But what about now? He says, I've got a well inside that's going to be springing up into never ending life, unlimited access to the God kind of life. It doesn't mean I won't ever have bad days. It doesn't mean I won't get discouraged. It doesn't mean I'll never be dry. It doesn't mean I'll never be tired, but I've got a well available to me that when I need a drink, I can take a drink. Everlasting life. What about for the next 10 years? Yeah, 10 years for the next 10, for the next 20, for the next 50, whatever it means, everlasting life. So he's trying to encourage with that. But look at what she says in verse 15. So then the woman said to him, sir, I'm catching on. Give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. This woman was thirsty. She said, can I have a drink of this water that you're talking about? Can I have a drink of this river that never runs dry? I need, I'm thirsty. This woman was looking for something. She was looking for satisfaction. She'd been trying all kinds of things to bring satisfaction in her life. She'd tried men. She'd been married four times, living with another guy right now. She'd tried all these different things. She'd look for satisfaction, all these external ways. But Jesus wanted to give her something on the inside. Wanted to give her something inside of her that come up out of her that she didn't even realize was there. That everything she needed, he would give her an internal source for an external circumstance. I'm going through this. I'm just so stressful right now. I'm going through this. I need some wisdom. I need some direction. Unlimited supply of wisdom available through the Holy Spirit. I need some patience, man. I need some patience right now. I'm about to kill somebody up in here. Unlimited supply of patience. I need some love. I've ran out of love. I'm so lost without it. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. So I... (laughs) It's like I need more love in my life. 
unlimited supply of love. I can't love them. I'm, they've done too much. I'm unlimited supply. I'm just one, you know, you've got a resource available that goes beyond you. When my tank, tank runs on empty, God's tank keeps going. Unlimited supply of resources. She said, give me a drink. Can I, have, can I have a drink of this water that I might draw? I want you to see the importance of that. She said, give me a drink. You know, this woman never would have got a drink unless she asked for it. Do you need refreshing today? Are you dry? Are you thirsty? Maybe you need to ask for a drink. Jesus asked for a drink when he was tired on his journey. This woman just asked for a drink. Maybe you need a drink. But I want to submit to you that this bottle of water, I'm kind of dry, I'm a little thirsty right now. I've been talking a lot and I've got cotton balls just flying out of my mouth all over the place. And I'm thirsty and I, this water would refresh me. This would help me. But just me knowing it would help me doesn't help me. Me believing it would help me doesn't help me. I believe in this water. I believe in the power of refreshment of water in Jesus' name. I believe, I believe with all my heart that this water would refresh me. Oh, I believe. Praise God forever. That's great. That's great. When's it actually going to help me? Take a drink. Oh, yeah. Woo. Feel better. Same thing with the Holy Spirit. People can know God can help you through the Holy Spirit. They can believe it, but if you don't take a drink, you got to drink. You got to drink from what's on the inside of it. So you got to believe it's there first. You got to believe you have this on the inside of you, this well of refreshing to draw from. If you don't believe it's there, you'll never open it. If you don't know that it's on the inside of you, you'll never tap into it. But just Knowing it's there is not enough. At some point, you've got to be willing to believe in the power of it. Put more faith in what God can do than what your frustrations are in. Put more faith in what the ability of God than you are in what you can't do. I can't do this. I can't. I don't see how I can. Okay, just take a drink and get refreshment. Let the power of the Holy Spirit refresh in your walk with him. She said, give me this drink. So I want to ask you if you would like a drink. If you'd like a drink of the Holy Spirit today. You're like, I don't, I don't know about, isn't that just for eternity? You know, we can't be promised this everlasting life, Chad. You're, isn't that stuff that we're just promised in eternity? Well, maybe you're thinking of this. I want to give you the scripture, the sweet by and by. Revelation chapter 7, verse 16 says, They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb who's in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters. There it is. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I am so looking forward to this day. I'm excited about that. But notice what it says. They will not thirst anymore. So this verse isn't for me today. This verse is for me for hope for my future. This is what it will be like in heaven. Awesome verse. Awesome promise. No more tears. Pumped. Incredible, but I'm still left with what about today? What if I'm dry today? Chad, what if I'm thirsty today? Do I have to wait for that? God knew we would have asked that question, so He gave us John chapter 7. John chapter 7, verse 37 says this it says, If anyone thirsts, wait a minute. So if someone thirsts, we're not talking about heaven because in heaven nobody thirsts anymore. So if anyone thirsts, so that's now, that's here, that's on the earth. If anyone thirsts, what does he say to do? 
come to me. Let him come to me and do what? Come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers hard. It's not your organ, it's not your blood pump, it's out of your spirit. Out of your spirit will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. The Holy Spirit was, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. I want to ask you this question. We're going to all experience times in our life where we feel dry, we feel tired on our walk with God. We feel discouraged. We're all going to feel it. What would our lives be like? What would your, how would your life be different if you had access to an unlimited supply, your own personal unlimited supply of resource for everything you would ever face in life? How would your life be different? If you had at your disposal, at your access, an unlimited resource to help you with everything you're gonna face, that's the power of the fountain gate. God wants to do something on the inside of you that's not about just getting to church. Love church, you need to be in church, but God wants to put something in you, in you. You say, Chad, well, how do I get that? How do I get this fountain gate in my life? How do I get these rivers of living water on the inside? It's very simple. Luke chapter 11 says, and so so appropriate being Father's Day because he says, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who, let me try it again, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Are you dry? Do you feel like you've not felt the presence of God in a while? Do you feel like you're tired? Maybe your outward flow has overcome your inward flow and you're exhausted. Maybe you're spiritually dehydrated this morning. God has a solution. It's the fountain gate. He wants to put rivers on the inside of you. It doesn't mean you'll never, ever have problems again. (laughs) It just means you have a place to draw from when those times come.